You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, it's good to come together and uh, to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And again, we want to give a special welcome to those online. Uh, Again, we're, uh, we're mindful of the fact that there are some who... I just can't be here uh, for one reason or the other, so we are thankful that you are uh, joining us this way. Just a reminder to uh, just drop a note on the Facebook page, live stream page, or um, if you have any questions uh, about the church, uh, you can send that to admin at redemptioncalgarynorth.ca. Well, I see we have uh, a few kiddos in here uh, this morning, and um, one of the things that we ended with last week was that um, Jesus was a, uh, was, sorry, Adam was a type of the one who was to come. Adam was a type who was to come. In other words, just like Adam had a big impact, so too does Jesus. There is many similarities, but as we're going to look at it this week, we're going to see not, not, not really the same, um, because there's a whole lot of differences in regards to what their impact was. And it made me think about uh, some of the different things in our creation, things that we think that are the same, uh, but actually are different. Uh, for example, what about a uh, turtle or a tortoise? You know, would you, would you be able to tell the difference, right? Okay, you see that one uh, is in the water, one dwells on land. Did you know that? I didn't know that. All right, some of you guys may, maybe like, we'll go through a few of these and you're like, yeah, I knew that. Why didn't you know that? Okay, so... That's okay. Oranges and tangerines. What's the difference? Do you know? Uh, basically, it's the shape, okay? That's the difference. What about rabbits and hares? Okay, what's the difference? Hares with an A- A-R-E-S, right? Okay. Uh, one gives birth around the ground. The other one uh, is in a burrow. Uh, bananas and plantains. Do you know the difference? Now, we don't have too many of those growing in Canada, but what, what's the difference? Well, one is starchy green when ripe, used as a vegetable. The other one's like a fruit. Well, that's the banana thing we get, uh, probably not the plantain. What about butterflies and moths? I used to think that one was ugly and the other was not. That was the difference, right? <laughs> right? Well, that's not the case, as you can see. Uh, one, even just the way that they uh, keep their wings on their back is actually quite interesting, right? Um, mushrooms and toadstools. You don't want to make that mistake, Okay? One, one is poisonous, the other is not. How about butter and margarine? Obviously, one is really nasty to eat and the other one is not, okay? But what is it? One is made of vegetable oil, one is made of milk. Um, crows and ravens. That one's a tough one, right? They look similar, but they're different, okay? One is bigger than the other, and uh, I guess the bill thing there as well. And then alligators and crocodiles, would you know the difference? How would you know? I, I was always like, again, I, that was one I had a question about, but apparently it's, it's all, all to do with their snout, okay? One's U-shaped, one's V-shaped. All these things look similar, but they're different. When it comes to Adam and Jesus, they look similar, and as we're going to look at this morning, there were some things that were very much the same, and yet... Very different results as a result of what they did on this earth. As we're going to look at Romans 5, 15 to 21 this morning, 
we're going to see that the impact of both were huge, but the impact of Christ is greater. Over and over and over again, he's saying much more. It's abounding. And if we're not like celebrating by the time we're done this text this morning, there's something wrong with us, all right? So in these days of uncertainty, in these days where it's, it can be tough to get through the next day, I pray that as God directs us to his word, as he reminds us of the amazing gospel, that our hearts would be encouraged and strengthened. And if this morning you are only united to Adam, that by the time we leave here today, you would have placed your trust in Christ and be united to him. That is our prayer this morning. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into the text. Lord God, we are so thankful that you are set apart from all else. God, we are in awe of you this morning. Lord, I, I know that even on my own heart, so many uh, different distractions this last week, so many times where I forgot the fact that, Lord, you are on the throne, that, Lord, you reign over all, that, Lord, your grace is sufficient God, I pray this morning as we study your word today that we would have a greater understanding of who you are, that our gospel certainty would be that much more, that God, we would understand but that, that our salvation does not rest on our work, it rests on Christ's work, and as such, we can be certain today of our future. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who struggles with certainty, for anyone here this morning who may not know you yet. They know about you, but they don't know you. God, I pray that even today, Lord, that you would cause them to be born again. Lord, we thank you that we have this chance to study together this morning. We thank you that, that Lord, Lord you, are, you are using this time to strengthen us, to, to enable us, Lord, to do the work that, Lord, you've called us to do. And so, Lord, would you lead this preacher? Would you, um, would you help him to speak your truth as it is. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Romans 5, 15 to 21. Let's read it together, and then uh, we're going to get into it. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that man, one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore... As one, one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as, as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Last week, 
we learn that we are all united to Adam, every single one of us. He, being the head of humanity, has resulted in some pretty horrific consequences. We are all united in the ugly insubordination. When Adam sinned, he did so as the representative of humanity, and that sin nature has been passed on to us. And you and I are now born sinners. We also saw the ultimate impact of that decision that he made to sin was that we all die. All humanity dies as a result of that one sin. We are all born spiritually dead. We all face the prospect of dying physically and left without the intervention of Christ, we will all die eternally. Paul took the time to show us our universal inclusion in Adam. He said that death reigned from Adam to Moses. Long before there was a law to sin against, there was sin on this earth and mankind died accordingly. And then at the end of verse 14, as I already mentioned, he says, and Adam was a type of the one who was to come. Just as Adam's actions had a massive impact on humanity, so too do Christ's actions have a massive impact on humanity. Think about Adam and Christ, the similarities. Adam How did he come into being? God took the dust, breathed life into him, forming the man. His creation was due directly to the hand of God. He had a unique birth. So too did Jesus have a unique birth, born of the Virgin Mary as the Holy Spirit came upon her. A unique birth. Both born sinless. Both could legitimately call God their father. Of course, Adam, temporarily so. Christ, for all of eternity, have been united with God being the father and he being the son. But that's where the similarities end. As we're going to see in the text this morning. We're going to look at the text a little bit differently. As we've been going through it, you've seen... There was a lot of repetition in the verses, and so rather than going through it verse by verse like we normally do, I'm going to take those themes, and we're going to just kind of look at those themes one by one. The first thing that I want us to see, last week we, we, we entitled the sermon, Together We Fall. This week we're going to entitle the sermon, Together We Reign. Together We Reign. All in Christ are united in, first of all, abundant grace. Every single person who is in Christ has received abundant grace. Look again at verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. He's like, he's, he's the type of one, but then quickly he's like, okay, but not the same really, Right? Quickly, he goes, but, but, the free gift is not like the trespass. It's different. The trespass, note that he's using the article form him, the trespass, the sin, the one sin in the garden that led to the condemnation of all mankind, the one sin that led to all of us being sinners, to all of us dying. 
This free gift is not like that. When you think about their decision, what was it? it ultimately, it was a selfish decision in the garden. They wanted something. Their pride felt like they knew better than God, and so they chose to sin. But the free gift did not come that way. Jesus also was faced with temptation. Think about, think about the fact that th throughout his life, he was tempted, and yet not one time did he fall. He walked in perfection. In his greatest hour of trial, he said what? Not my will, but yours be done. Result was that he was crucified upon a cross. And as he hung there, he took the sins of all who would believe, upon, believe in him upon himself. And then God the Father poured out his wrath on Jesus. Every sin against God must be punished. And Jesus took the punish, punishment upon himself. He experienced for the first time separation from the Father as he took our sins upon himself, and then he laid down his life and died on the cross. However, three days later, he rose again, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Instead of pride, Jesus chose humility. Instead of selfishness, Jesus chose selflessness. Adam's actions brought death and a great cost. Jesus' actions brought life as a free gift. The free gift is not like the trespass. Just as Paul had shown in verses 12 through 14, many have died as a result of Adam's sin. Death has reigned and all have sinned. The consequence has been great. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. However, Paul is saying that the impact is nothing compared to the impact of Jesus' actions. Much more, did you know in that verse? Much more, not a little bit, much more. Grace wins. Much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Paul is pointing to the fact that the same grace and the free gift came through Jesus Christ. In the same way that sin came through Adam, grace and the free gift come through Jesus and we are told that it abounded for many. Grace is not only provided for a few, but many, for many. I was on Twitter this week, not usually recommended, but I was on there, and I, and I, I seen this quote by Shailin, what I thought was actually really appropriate for this week. He said this, In Sodom, God would have spared one wicked city for the sake of ten righteous people which would have been very merciful of him. In the gospel, God has saved a multitude that no one can count for the sake of one righteous man. Abundant grace. The text that was read earlier, Isaiah 53, it says in verse 11, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Many shall be made righteous through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the one act of Adam, destruction came. But through the actions of Christ, incredible goodness and life has come. 
Schreiner says this, The work of Christ is much more significant. For the good that he has effected also involves the undoing of the evil wrought by Adam. It is one thing to blemish what is beautiful, but it is much harder to set straight what is already crooked. Right? Easy to destroy, but to create and to make beautiful so much harder. But Christ has done it. Christ entered into a dark and blemished world, stained by sin and death, and went through a very difficult life, walking in sinlessness for his whole life. Consider one of the key passages that highlight Jesus' temptation versus what we learned about Adam's temptation last week. Just think about those two temptations. Christ, he's in the wilderness, in a hot and desolate place. Adam, he was in the perfect Garden of Eden. Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. Adam, he's, I don't know how far he's away, but he's not far from the tree of life, let alone the entire garden. He has to eat from, but Christ had not eaten for 40 days. Jesus was tempted in three different ways. Adam, just one way. Christ's road was much more difficult, but he overcame. Not only did we not deserve all that Jesus went through on our behalf, but it is his grace that defeats the enemies of sin and death. Jesus' actions were the knockout blow. Sin and death have been defeated. Jesus' grace towards us abounds. As I mentioned last week, because of what Christ has done, we no longer need to fear death. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. When Christ defeats death, he gives us spiritual life, and in the end, eternal life. His grace is abundant. Look at verse 17. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, again, note, the superlatives here, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. As we saw last week, as a result of Adam's sin, death reigned from Adam on. Adam's sin nature has been passed from generation to generation, and so death comes to all mankind. Not only from Adam to Moses, but still today. However, because Jesus has come, Death no longer needs to reign. In fact, this verse reminds us of who it is that receives the abundance of grace. Just as our union to Adam brought death through his sin in the garden to us, so our union to Christ results in our receiving abundance of grace. This grace brings both righteousness and life. All that was lost through Adam's sin has been reversed through the one man, Jesus Christ. Life, righteousness, and so much more are ours through the abundance of grace of our God. Note who it is that receives the abundance of grace. It is only through Jesus Christ. It is by being united to him. As we've been studying the book of Romans, in chapter 4, he makes it very clear. It is only by faith that we receive this abundance of grace. Without our putting our faith in him, there is no union with Christ. We remain united to Adam alone. I drop down to verses 20 and 21 as he continues to emphasize grace. 
Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Jewish people, they were likely thinking, okay, yeah, we get the Adam to Moses time. That's one time. And then there's the law time. And then there's the time of Christ. What Paul is saying here is, no, there's just the Adam time and there's the Christ time. When the law time came, listen, all that did was this. It highlighted that we are sinners. It showed all the more that we are sinners. Schreiner says this, the gravity of sin is magnified when the law God revealed is flouted. When you know the law and you continue to sin, it only highlights our sin. Where sin increased, sorry, where sin increased, though what? Grace, it says here, super increased. In other words, grace is always greater than the sin. In the same way that sin reigned to death, now in Christ, grace abounds all the more. And now grace reigns through righteousness over and over again. Paul is making the case that the grace available through Christ is more than abundant. Isn't that good news this morning? That his grace is always greater than our sin. Stott says this, although Adam's disobedience led to universal sin and death, there's been a lavish extravagance about the grace of Christ in both quality and quantity, which, is, which was entirely absent from Adam and all his works. When we look at the impact of God's grace towards us in Jesus Christ, we're reminded of what Paul says in verse 15. What? That many will receive this grace. Sometimes, I, I mean, this was a, a point that I was challenged on a little bit this morning. Or sorry, this morning, this week. This morning as well, probably, okay? But listen, passages like the road is narrow. Passages like not many will be saved. Passages like that say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name and, and do that in your name? And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Passages like that make us think that, that there's only a few are going to be saved, but in reality, that's actually not the case. There's going to be a multitude saved and has been a multitude saved. Listen, Revelation 7, 9 through 10, this is giving us a picture of, of in heaven. It says this, John says this, After I lo- this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There is a great multitude who are being saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. His grace is sufficient. I think we need to hear that this morning. Sometimes we feel like, you know, like Eeyore. We're on the, we're on the losing team. You know, like, you know, like 
You know, woe is us. Listen, his grace is sufficient. And he is saving many people, even this day. And so as we go out and we proclaim the gospel, let us have the expectation that his grace is greater. That no matter where that person is at, that his grace is greater to save that person from their sin. Just as he has saved you, he is able to save others. And so let us have that expectation as we proclaim his glorious grace. A great multitude that no one can number will be the recipients of God's amazing, abundant grace. His grace is greater than sin and death. Secondly, together we reign. All in Christ are united in perfect righteousness. Not only have we received abundant grace, but in that abundant grace we have received perfect righteousness. Look back again at verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. As we think about what exactly was given in grace, we see that justification and righteousness are ours through Jesus Christ. Paul is highlighting here that judgment came to mankind as the result of the one sin of Adam. The one sin of Adam brought condemnation to mankind. The one sin. This was the consequence for one sin coming into the world. Condemnation for all through the one sin. So what would you, you know, I'm no mathematician, what would you expect if there were more than one sin? More condemnation, more judgment. But listen, what Christ has done. How much more did we deserve condemnation and judgment as a result of the multitude of sins against him? And yet we read here that the free gift followed the many trespasses. The free gift followed the many trespasses. It's, we're like, okay, yeah, I get it. The one sin, it deserved condemnation. But, but now that justification would come after many trespasses? I just thought about this a little bit this week. Just, just think about a holy God in heaven. Let's say the Lord gives you 70 years on this earth. Let's say you average one sin a day. Let's be honest, that's being very generous you would have sinned against the Lord 25,550 times in your lifetime. I mean, think about somebody sinning against you. Like, what does it take for you to get all worked up? One sin, right? 25,550 times you would have sinned against a holy God. Just you. Now consider that there are 7.8 billion people on the earth right now. You take that, 7.8 billion, times the 25,550 sins, and you get a number that I don't even know what to do with. And then you consider that that's just right now living on the earth. And, and then you multiply that by everyone from Adam to now and into whatever future we have. All of those sins against a holy God, why in the world would he send his son to die for mankind? when we have sinned against him so greatly. And this is the point of what he's making here. 
Listen, the grace that has been poured out on you after a multitude of sins, he has declared you righteous. The free gift following many transgressions brought justification. It is only by his grace that we have been credited with his righteousness. Think about who you and I are. There's a tradition that Jonathan Edwards had a daughter with the ungovernable temper. But as so often is the case, this infirmity was not known to the world. In other words, not, not, a, people, not a lot of people knew about this temper that she had. A worthy young man fell in love with his daughter and sought her hand in marriage. Edwards said to the young man, you can't have her. But I love her, the young man replied. You can't have her, said Edwards. But she loves me, replied the young man. Again, Edwards said, you can't have her. Why, said the young man, because she is not worthy of you. But he asked, she is a Christian, is she not? And Edwards replied, yes, she is a Christian, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. (laughs) Now, isn't that the reality? When you think about the grace of God towards us, like, like, the whole point of what he's saying here is like, listen to the grace that's been bestowed upon you and I. None of us deserve it. We have sinned many, multitude of times against a holy God. How incredible is his grace towards us that he would declare us righteous before him through Christ's sacrifice for you and I. Despite our thousands of sins against him, Christ took the wrath that was due for our sins and gave us his righteousness. Cranfield says this, that one single misdeed should be answered by judgment. This is perfectly understandable. That the accumulated sins and guilt of all the ages should be answered by God's free gift. This is the miracle of miracles, utterly beyond human comprehension. Again, verse 17 highlighted that this free gift of righteousness came about by the abundance of grace. Considering the great weight of debt that we had against God, we did not deserve anything. But through Jesus Christ, we received the free gift of righteousness. All who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ have been declared righteous by the Lord with Christ's perfect righteousness being credited to your account. Through God's legal declaration saying, you you now are innocent in Christ. You now have his righteousness. Verse 18, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so the one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. As Paul continues to use his comparison of Adam, he highlights that just as the one act of Adam led to condemnation, so the one act of righteousness leads to justification. One act of Adam was enough to condemn all men. Now in Jesus, his one act of righteousness is able to justify all men. The one act. Hebrews 9, 25 and 26. 
The author of Hebrews says this, nor was it to offer himself Christ repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with the blood not his own. For then he would have had to offer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Once and for all. Verse 19, for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. When you read this verse, you might be tempted to think what? Everybody's saved. How would you get there? Well, one man's disobedience equals what? Everybody were made sinners. Is that true? Yes, that is true. So then you're like, okay, well, it seems like this is a parallel statement then. By the one man's disobedience, many, everybody, will be made righteous. If you were to just read this one verse, you could probably get there. That's how cults are formed. One verse taken out of the Bible and building an entire theology. So what would you do with that? Well, let's just go back to verse 17. How is it that those are made righteous? It is those who receive through Christ his righteousness. It is only by being united to Christ that we receive that. All who are united to Christ are made righteous. This is the point he's making. Well, I don't know if I'm still convinced. It still seems like it could, could be that. Well, let's just take the book of Romans. Romans 1.18, what did it say? The wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness. Why give the warning about judgment to come if all are saved? So, we can wipe out the idea of every person being saved quickly by just doing a little work in Romans, let alone the rest of the New Testament. So, all in Christ are made righteous. That's good news this morning. I've named chapter 5 Gospel Certainty. Gospel certainty. You can know where you will be for all of eternity because of what Christ has done. Through Christ, all are made righteous. How long will this righteousness be credited to you? It's for the week, for the month, the year, decades, centuries. Look again at verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has credited righteousness to you for all of eternity. For all of eternity. It is not just a momentary thing. The moment you placed your faith in Him, He declared you righteous. He is making you righteous through His sanctification process. And one day, when you stand before the Lord, you will be declared righteous before Him. And we will have life eternally. And we will sing with that multitude. Salvation belongs to our God 
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The old hymn, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe, you that are longing to see His face, will you this moment His grace receive? This morning, do you know that grace? Grace that is greater than all your sin. Are you confident in your salvation this morning? Not because of anything to do with you. I think that's clear in the text. Not because you deserve it, but because of how amazing our God is. We have received His grace. You can never out-sin grace. That's the point of the text here. Abundant grace. He taking your sin and giving you His perfect righteousness for all of eternity. Lastly, together we reign. All in Christ are united in eternal life. Eternal life. Does that get you kind of excited this morning? Right? Not, not, not just there, but here, as we're going to see now in the text. Death reigned through Adam, but no longer. Back to verse 17, we see that those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus. We reign in life through Jesus. He is changing all things back to way, the way that they were. When Adam was placed on this earth, he was given a job to do. He was told to rule over the world. We see in Genesis 1.28 that he was called to subdue the earth. He was called to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But then Adam sinned, the curse came, and death reigned. But now, as a result of Christ's coming, we now too can reign in life, just as Christ in uh, God intended in the first place. Next week, we're going to see that you and I have been given newness of life. Newness of life. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Death no longer has dominion over you. Your entire course of your life has now been changed and you are able to walk in obedience to the living God. Why? Because He's given you His Spirit, as we read in Romans 5. It's been poured into your hearts. He counsels us. He helps us on a daily basis. So it's even better than what Adam had. Adam did not have the Spirit of God living within him. You and I have that. And so we are able to walk in newness of life. We've been given a new heart, a new mind. 
We've been caused to be born again through Jesus Christ. We are His children now in Him. We have been adopted as we're going to see in Romans chapter 8. We get to reign with Him. We get to see His kingdom coming, His will being done on this earth as it is in heaven. One day we will reign with Him for all of eternity. I get it. It's like, really? Us? That's what the Bible says. You will reign with Him in life. Cranfield says this, the effectiveness and the unspeakable generosity of the divine grace are such that it will not merely bring about the replacement of the reign of death by the reign of life, but it actually will make those who receive its riches to become kings themselves. That is, to live the true kingly life purposed by God for man. Christ has come that we might reign in life. John 10.10 The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Our lives will never be the same as a result of our now being united with Christ through His abundant grace. Not only do we enjoy a a new life in this life, but the reigning will continue in the life to come. Listen to what it says in Revelation 22.5. At the end of it all, night will be no more. They will not need no light of lamp. This is the servants of God. They will need no light of lamp for our sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The servants of God will reign forever and ever with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Like, just consider that. Today, we're seeing Christ's kingdom coming through salvation. One person at a time being saved through God's grace. But we know Christ is going to return. And all enemies will be defeated. Sin and death will finally be defeated once and for all. It was made certain at the cross with what Christ has done when he resurrected from the dead as he sits at the right hand of the Father. It is only a matter of time before his full reign will come. And you and I who are united with him will enjoy that reign. I mean, incredible. Incredible. I don't know, this morning, as I, as I seen that sunrise, I don't know if you guys seen that. Was this, ugh, was this one of those days you're like, that was especially beautiful. <laughs> like, God, you're faithful all the time, but like, that was just incredible. And I was just, it just made me think, like, man, we're going to be with him so soon. Like, this life is so temporary, and we're going to reign with him. He's given us so much. What an exchange from being under the reign of death and now reigning with Christ. Verse 18 reminded us that through Christ, all men are given life. We are born again, given a new heart, a new mind, and the Spirit of God. 
now living within us until we one day will graduate from this life to eternal life. Look again one more time at 20 and 21. Grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As we have been freed from that spiritual death and given His life in this this world, we no longer fear physical death. We talked about that last week, right? We no longer longer fear it. It no longer has its chains over us because of what 1 Corinthians 15 says. It, It is only now a gateway into eternal life. It is certain how through Jesus Christ our Lord. All who have Christ as the Lord, all who have Him as, his, as their Master can be confident that eternal life is waiting for you. Jesus has conquered over all. And what He has done is much greater than what Adam had done. This is why we can be certain of our salvation this morning. Christ's work isn't just a little bit better. It is much more. It abounds. As devastating the results of Adam's actions were and are, their impact is nothing compared to what Jesus is doing and will do. Grace wins. Every time, grace wins. His work is one of abundant grace that grants perfect righteousness and eternal life to all who are in Christ, to all who have placed their faith in Him. At the beginning we talked about that sometimes things look the same. Adam, Jesus, they're the same. But then quickly He said, but not quite the same. Not really the same. Let me show you the difference. Through Adam came sin, the curse, and death. Through Christ came grace, righteousness, and life. Wordsby says this, Adam was a thief and was cast out of paradise. Jesus turned to a thief and said, today you will be with me in paradise. The Old Testament is the book of the generations of Adam and ends with a curse. The New Testament is the book of generations of Jesus Christ and ends with no more curse. Jesus has come and the world will never be the same. And one day soon, He will come and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And those who are in Christ will reign with Him and sin and death and all His enemies will be destroyed. Together we reign. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we are so thankful for your grace, for your mercy towards us. Lord, as we've looked at the text this morning, we're reminded that it is all through Christ. We are only the recipients of it all. None of us deserved it. None of us have earned it in any way. But Lord, we rejoice in your salvation today. 
Our lives will never be the same. Sin and death have been defeated. And Lord, as we continue to learn about your amazing grace towards us, Lord, we we pray that we would be more and more like Jesus every day, that your righteousness would be evident in our lives. Lord, this morning, if there are any here who are wrestling with sin, any here who are feeling defeated, God, would you help them to repent this morning? Would you help them to come to the cross anew? Recognizing, Lord, that your grace is sufficient to remove all their sin, to give them the victory that is yours and yours alone. And may they walk in your righteousness as a result. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who does not know you, who right now only is united to Adam, I pray that even today you would help them to see your great love towards them. That, Lord, you too have taken their sin, Lord, for all who place their faith in you, and have taken their wrath upon yourself. God, help them to believe today. Help them to see that you are good, that you are faithful, and that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That all who come to you have access to the Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.